Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Our first batch of meat chickens for 2020 is officially in the freezer, and we learned some interesting lessons this year. We switched around our butchering setup just a tad, we tried some new things, and so I wanted to share some of the lessons we learned this year, and hopefully these will be helpful for you if you are planning on raising your own meat chickens in the future. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the Trailblazers, the Mavericks, the Makers, the Homesteaders, the Modern Pioneers, and the Backyard Farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, this is the place for you. This episode is brought to you by Redmond's Real Salt, which is the number one salt I use in all of my homestead cooking. I've learned over the years that not all salt is created equal, and having the good stuff really does make a difference in your culinary adventures. Redmond's is mined in the good old US of A, and I love that they use sustainable practices and that it contains 60 plus trace minerals that not only make it incredibly good for you, but it tastes better too. Since I can't grow salt myself, obviously, I like to buy it in bulk since it saves me some cash and it doesn't go bad, so it's an easy thing to stock up on. Right now for the month of June, Redmond's is offering 15% off your purchase just for my podcast listeners. Head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash salt and use the code homestead to snag your discount. Plus, if you spend $50 or more, the shipping is free. Okay, so episode 101 of this podcast has a little bit more foundational meat chicken information. So kind of what we feed, our traditional routine of how we do this. And then I'm also publishing an episode really close to this one. So I don't know if it'll be right before or right after, but it kind of is going to go through the whole topic of the emotional aspect of butchering, which that could be very interesting to read those emails <laughs> generated from that episode, but it's a really important topic and I do not want to shy away from that. So those two podcast episodes have that information, but in this episode, I wanted to talk about a few of the things we did differently this year. We have been raising meat birds for, I don't know, four or five years now, and we learn something new every single year. And so I wanted to walk you through some of these changes we made, some of the observations that were really helpful for us. Um, and maybe this will be helpful for your operation as well. I do have a YouTube video of this process and we will put a link to that in the show notes. It is of the butchering process. So if you're a little squeamish on that, just be forewarned. We, I tried to make it as tasteful as possible. Um, not unnecessarily gory, but it is helpful if you'd like to see our setup in the flesh, in real life, right in front of you. So go check that out. All right, so the first massive revelation, this was probably the biggest one that we had this year, is that I will never raise my meat birds in our chicken coop again, because this year we put them out in our chicken tractor and it was fantastic. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with them, a chicken tractor is just a portable, chicken run of sorts. It usually has some sort of roof for protection and an open bottom. And you pull or drag this chicken tractor around your pasture or around your yard. And the idea is it gives the 
chickens fresh green grass every single day and new bugs to eat. And it fertilizes as you go and it just is fresh and clean. And it's the next best thing to letting them free range because free ranging is great until the predators kill them or they dig up your garden or they run away or they do weird chicken things. So a chicken tractor is like confined free ranging and I am a fan. Um, Christian built a little chicken tractor for us this year. I know a lot of you are begging for the plans. I'm working on getting him to build another one so we can document the whole construction process on video because when he built the first one, it was very like, I'm going to try this. Oh, I'm going to take it apart. And actually I'm doing it this way now. So I initially wanted to document the first build and it was so uh, fragmented. It just didn't work. And it's a great design right now, but we just need to duplicate it so I can document it for you guys. So hopefully fingers crossed that will be on his uh, priority to-do list soon. But our chicken tractor isn't massive. And I believe we had, I don't know, 12, 15 of our meat birds in it. Um, somebody saw a picture of it online and like, oh, it looks so crowded. And it's really not because they move to new grass every single day. And even with, you know, 14 birds, 15 birds in it, they were always bunched together <laughs> and they would not because they're cold, even on the warm days, they're always like grouped together and there would still be empty space on the other side of the chicken tractor. So um, it really wasn't a crowding issue, but in our tractor, we would put a water uh, thing, water, waterer, that's what they're called, a waterer and a little bit of food because you still want to supplement them with some chicken feed because chickens are omnivores and they don't do fantastic just exclusively on grass only. They need some seeds and some bugs to go with their grass and sometimes you won't always have that. So we supplemented with some feed, but it was great. The chickens were happy. Um, they were cleaner than ever because these meat chickens tend to just kind of sit around like little piggies. And oftentimes in our coop, they would get just gross on the bottom, like their feathers would get all nasty because they just sit all day. They're couch potatoes. Um, but these guys, because they were on the fresh green grass, they were clean. Their feathers were great. Um, they were eating the grass, which everyone told me, oh, Cornish cross, Cornish, that's a tongue twister, Cornish cross chickens, um, they don't graze. They don't have any grazing instinct. And I kind of believed that for a long time, but I was pleasantly surprised after about a week or two of them being out in the tractor, they started to eat the grass. And I really think it helped them grow. And I knew it was working, but I didn't realize how well the chicken tractor was working until butchering day. We butchered all of our um, chicken tractor chickens first. And they, the, they were just way bigger, way more meat. And they had more fat on them, like good fat, like the kind of fat you want to render down. It makes your roast chicken amazing. And then we had a few left in our chicken coop because we didn't have enough room in the chicken tractor. So we had raised like two thirds in the tractor and a third in the coop. So we went to get the chickens out of the coop and I didn't realize it till we started to put them side by side, but the size difference was astounding. The ones in the coop were way smaller and it's crazy because they were exactly the same age out of exactly the same batch of uh, chickens. They were, you know, we got them at the same time and they were fed exactly the same meat bird feed. The only difference was that the ones in the tractor were on the grass and in the fresh air. So lesson learned, the coop just didn't work great. I mean, 
it worked. We've done it for years. Uh, but it's a thousand times better to raise them outside. The only tricky part with that is we can't do that in the winter time, which we don't generally raise meat birds in the winter anyway. Uh, but the, the tractor only works when it's good weather. But other than that, uh, I'm a fan. All right. The other thing, another thing we did different this year is we got a chicken plucking machine. And I am pretty sure that is the best I think what it was like 200 bucks. I bought it last year. I don't even remember what I paid for it. The best 200 bucks I ever spent in my entire adult life. Um, you know me, I don't love a lot of gadgets. I'm pretty minimalist. And so we put off buying a plucker for a long time. And I had folks constantly, they would like read my blog post on butchering and they'd be like, you need a plucker. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know. I just do it with my hands. It's not that bad. It'll be fine. So I wasn't super motivated to get one. And then, um, it was last year, I found this plucker on Amazon Prime Day, which is a really weird item for Amazon Prime Day. I'm like, is there anyone else but me who would buy a chicken plucker on Amazon Prime Day? But I did, and I think it was like 200 bucks, but don't quote me. Uh, it's a Kitchener brand, like Kitchener, Kitchener. Um, now, caveat, you most of you have listened to my episode about how I'm not buying on Amazon anymore. <laughs> so... This was last year that I bought this on Amazon. A lot of you have asked for the link to the chicken plucker we have. I don't know if it's still on Amazon. I haven't looked. I would recommend seeing if you can find that somewhere else. Uh, seeing if you can find a Kitchener plucker elsewhere. I'm sure they're not just sold on Amazon. So that's my little caveat there. Not supporting Amazon anymore. So that was a last year thing, but it was fantastic. Um, we scald the chickens first. We always do that, which means we just dunk them after they are dead. We dunk them in 150 degree water. We just use a big turkey fryer. Dunk them in and it's only about 30 seconds. You have to be really careful because if you scald them too much, which brings, I'll explain that in a moment, you will have problems. But you scald them, you put them in the chicken plucker machine, you turn it on and you kind of want to spray some water in there. And it's basically like a washing machine with rubber fingers and they tumble around in there. And it like, I don't even know, like 20 seconds, the feathers are gone. And comparatively, when you pluck by hand, I don't know, I'm not a very fast plucker. So it'd be 10 minutes per bird, 15 minutes per bird. I don't know. It took a long time to pluck them by hand. And even then I'd always be like, Eh, there's some feathers left, little ones. It's fine. We're just going to, we're just going to proceed. Um, so if you're doing any, any quantity of meat chickens, I think a plucker is a fantastic investment. Um, I will, it was kind of funny when I posted a video of the plucker on YouTube and on my Instagram stories, I didn't like do a really long shot like a prolonged shot of the chicken tumbling around in there. But some people were a little upset because they said it was violent. Um, and I just would like to clarify that when you put the chicken in the plucker, they are dead. You do not put a live chicken in a plucker. That would be a very bad idea. Um, so I guess, I suppose it could be a little bit off putting to see this chicken tumbling around in a washing machine with fingers. I don't know. <laughs> But I'm sorry if that offended anyone, but it is how they, I'm sure any chicken commercially raised is going to go through some sort of plucking machine because there is no way on God's green earth that anyone is standing there plucking feathers off every single chicken that's eaten in the United States. So I'm sorry to anyone that uh, was shocked by our plucker videos, but it's how it works. 
and it works really darn good. Okay, number three thing that I learned the hard way, I should add this to my homestead fails episode. Um, Do not scald the chicken too long, Jill. Do not do that. Which I knew that already, but it was our second chicken of the day. I hadn't got my water temps just right. I think it was a little hot, a little too hot. And so I pulled the chicken out of the scalding pot and put it in the plucker. It wasn't good. I did not put that on YouTube. (laughs) Um, Yeah, not good to over scald things. So you want to be really, really careful with that, especially with the plucker. You might be able to get away with a little bit of over scalding if you're plucking by hand. It's still not great, but you could get away with it. You cannot get away with it in the plucker. I will leave that to your imagination. I will say that we did not waste that bird. We ate it. I brought it in the house. We didn't put it in a freezer bag. I brought it in the house and put it in the fridge and we ate it a couple days later. I cut it up because it wasn't going to be a a good roast chicken candidate. But definitely watch your scald temps and watch your scald times. Um, The fourth thing that really kind of was driven home to me this year is, and this is just a great lesson for homesteading or learning new things in general, The more you do it, the easier it gets and your systems will become more refined. And it was funny when I showed our process on the YouTube video of our butchering assembly line, um, people were like, man, you have a great system. This is like one of the best chicken setups I've seen. Uh, It's so clean. It's so simple. And I'm like, cool. Like, thank you. But it's kind of funny because it's taken us a while to get to this point. And I just want to encourage those of you who are just starting out in any of this, the butchering, the gardening, the cooking stuff in your kitchen, um, just rest assured that it's okay to start small and then you will gradually figure out the tools that you need, right? And that's just a part of the process. You can't fast forward, I don't think. There is no way we could have perfectly set up what we have now at the beginning. We just didn't know what we needed. We didn't know how many tables we needed. We didn't know we needed a plucker. We, um, We just had to learn each part of the process. And there is no shame in starting simple, starting slow, and then you get to continue to refine that process. And I think that's a really valuable part of this is that learning step-by-step of what you need, what works best, how not to overheat your water and over scald a chicken or that, you know, a plucker is a great investment. You just have to learn that and you can't fast forward it because that's the journey, um, So that's really not necessarily specific to chicken butchering, but it just kind of fits to homestead skills in general. And then the last little tidbit that I was reminded of this year as we were butchering, which made me kind of proud and happy of of us, I guess, is that you can learn anything online. (laughs) You really can, because here's the deal. Um, Christian and I, I'd say we're pretty decent at butchering now. We're getting it figured out. We have never seen a, seen a single other human being butcher a chicken in real life, ever. We have only ever seen it done on videos and in books. And there's definitely kind of this prejudice against book learning or Googling things or, oh, they just watch stuff on YouTube and they think they know it all. And I get that because you can absolutely have book smarts, but not street smarts. And you have to be careful to balance that out. But... I want to reassure you that if you want to learn these homestead skills or any skill whatsoever, the information and the knowledge is out there. We live in the age of information and you can pretty much learn anything you want, barring things like, I don't know, open heart surgery. 
but you can learn anything else on YouTube or in books. And as long as you're willing to learn something and try it, and then learn something else and then try it, that's where the magic happens. And that's where it really starts to turn from book smarts into street, street smarts, because you have to just take those action steps. And so I just wanted to reassure you, if you want to learn something, you very, very likely can get it done. As long as you're willing to take some imperfect action along the way, you maybe over scald the chicken every once in a while, you maybe cut them up a little bit wrong um, <laughs> to begin with, but just keep learning and just keep doing. That's, that's the trick, taking that action. And you will be amazed at the skills you can add to your repertoire. So there you have it. Um, just some fun little lessons we learned this year. It gets better every single time we do it. And we have 50 more birds coming in July. So we got to get our second tractor built and get our systems ready to go once again. And who knows what we'll learn this time around. I can't wait. So if you are falling in love with the idea of an old fashioned intentional kitchen full of nourishing food, like homegrown chicken and rich memories, you will love my heritage kitchen handbook. I packed this little ebook full of my very best tricks for cooking and eating like a homesteader, even if you live in the city. Grab it for free over at www.heritagekitchenhandbook.com. And that is it for today. Thank you to everybody who has left a review or a rating over on your favorite podcast player. I read every single one and I appreciate your words of encouragement so very much. Thanks so much for listening and we will catch up again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.